Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Don Cherie Wilkerson continues our collection of talks, I Hate You, But It's Killing Me, in this message, Between You and Me. Unpacking what it looks like to overcome offense and foster healthy, long-lasting relationships. Discover community this week in VU Cruise. VU Cruise meet every other week in person and online to build community discuss the message, and foster faith. Find a crew today at vuchurch.com slash cruise. Now let's lean into the message together. Okay, then open up your Bibles with me and turn to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, verse 13. Rich has been preaching powerfully over the last four weeks. Every single week, in fact, I was in Louisiana this past weekend speaking and so many people came up to me who've been watching this collection from all over the world telling me it's been ministering so deeply to me. So I believe God's gonna continue his work today. This is what Colossians 3 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And uh, I wanna talk to you for the next few minutes on this thought, between you and me. And I wanna take a moment to pray, but I also want all of our faith at all locations, we're gonna lift up Morocco, and we're gonna lift up this earthquake, over 2,000 lives already lost. And we're not gonna focus on what we're facing today. We're gonna focus our faith on people that are facing insurmountable circumstances today and desperately need a touch from God for the global church to rally and make a difference. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst, in our community of Miami and around the world. We believe that you're working and we believe you're coming back soon, Jesus. And right now, God, before we dive into your word, we turn our hearts and our faith to Morocco. God, to so many people that are grieving today, so many people trying to pick up the broken pieces of their life, Lord, have lost everything, going through grief, Lord, and the devastation, Lord, that is unimaginable. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of the solution as the global church. And God, we pray right now that on the ground, Lord, that there would be people, Lord, to meet the needs, and God, that you would send angels, Lord, and you would do miracles, God, and you would protect every child, every parent, every individual, Lord, who is all alone today, meet their physical needs, and Holy Spirit, bring them comfort and hope, God, that you are gonna carry them through. We ask this at every location. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit. Write your word upon our hearts. Transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and let it not just be for this day, but let it roll into our marriages, and into our workplace, into our thought process, and create a legacy of hope for generations to come. We believe it because you're that good, you're that big, and we love you. Come on, and everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody said, amen. I feel faith in this room. We've been talking about relationships and forgiveness. And how many of you know that when you step into a relationship, relationships get real, real fast. You can start with the butterflies, you can start with everything is beautiful and this person is perfect. It doesn't matter how much you love them, there are gonna be difficulties. 
You don't work on your marriage for 10 years and then spend the next 50 years sailing effortlessly into the sunset. I've been married for 17 years now and I've been with Rich for 21 years. And what I can tell you is in every single season of our life, we have had to fully surrender to the Holy Spirit, keep our hearts open and humble, and navigate carefully our relationship through the new seasons of life as we continue to grow into who God's called us to be. In 17 years of marriage, um, we have plenty of stories. <laughs> Good ones and tough ones. And today I bring you some fresh material. <laughs> You can title this short story, Family Vacation 2023. Um, this summer, we decided to take a few weeks away. It's what we try to do every summer with our kids to um, refresh and be renewed and focus on family and really just hear from God for what's to come. And we were up in Washington State with Rich's family. He's originally from that area, and we were staying with family and hanging, and Rich was preaching for his brother, and we had plans to fly from Washington State to Atlanta, and then drive a couple hours from Atlanta to Alabama. Hang with me, y'all. And we were gonna drive for a couple hours to Alabama where we were gonna hang with more family and friends for a few days. And um, Rich made all the plans, because Rich is incredible with planning, so I just let him do it. I just let him go for it. In fact, side note, I, when we travel, I just go into autopilot. I wasn't planning to share this, but one time we were in the airport, this is probably 10 years ago, and we were in an international airport. We had, we had flown all night, and I'm just following him. I don't have my ticket. I don't have my pass. I don't have anything. I'm just like, babe, just make sure I eat, make sure I sleep, and I'm good. And he's walking so fast through the international airport, airport and he walks and then I hear him say, Don Cherie, and I look up and I'm standing in the middle of the men's bathroom. <laughs> and so all that to say, you get the picture, Rich does the planning for trips in our marriage. But Rich had made this plan that he wanted us to take a red eye from Washington State to Atlanta. Um, I've traveled around the world, I've taken a lot of red eyes, but uh, that season of my life is over. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, this red eye was gonna leave uh, West Coast time. It would have been 3 a.m. on my kids' bodies. I have a five-year-old, I have a three-year-old, I have a two-year-old. It wasn't even a real cross-country flight because they couldn't even get a deep sleep. It was barely four hours long. Then we were gonna land and we were gonna drive several hours. And I'm like, Rich, I don't wanna take this red eye. He's like, babe, this is the most efficient plan. We're not gonna lose a day of vacation. If we leave on Monday after I preach on Sunday, we're gonna lose a whole day of vacation. We can't do that. We're gonna fly all night. I know you can power through. He's thinking efficiency. I'm thinking sanity. I'm like, yo, this is my vacation. This does not sound relaxing to me. And so we're going back and forth. And I'm like, Rich, uh, I wanna make it clear, I wanna fly on Monday. Rich is like, I'm not flying on Monday. 
He's like, but if you wanna look for flights on Sunday, we can split up, you can go. I look for flights. They don't have enough flights for all of us to go on Sunday afternoon, but there's enough for the girls. And uh, Rich preaches Sunday morning for his brother. And you guys, I'm like getting angry that Rich won't change the flight. At this point, I'm getting very angry. And if you know me, sometimes I have a hard time letting something go. And so I'm just like, Rich, I'm sending him articles on what sleep deprivation does. (laughs) I book my flight. I'm a grown woman, I'll go on my own. (laughs) With his blessing, he was good. He preaches Sunday morning, and as if he needs this, we go to lunch before I fly out with his parents and with his brother and sister-in-law. And we're at the table talking, and his brother says, when are you flying out? And uh, I say, Rich says, I'm gonna fly out at midnight tonight. He goes, with the kids? And I just lean in, yeah, can you believe that? Can you believe that? I cannot let it go. I'm fuming. We're looking across the table from each other. Rich has just preached the word. And I am, I am so leaned into this. Yeah, he's going to fly at midnight with my five-year-old son and my three-year-old. This is torture. This is, and Rich is squeezing his dad's knee like, let this contemptuous woman get on this plane and get away from us. I get on the flight and I'm pulling my luggage and I'm thinking, I cannot believe that I am doing this on my own. And I land in Atlanta. Friends, when I tell you I land in Atlanta and as soon as I get to the hotel room, I get a migraine, I get fever, I get chills, I get full muscle aches. Rich lands at 6 a.m. the next morning, he gets the car, he comes to pick me up. I can barely speak, I'm so sick. We get to the house three hours later. I lay in bed for the next seven days. I haven't been that sick, and I don't know the last time I was that sick. I don't get sick like that. It completely took me out. And what I realized as I was laying in my bed while everybody else was enjoying family vacation is that I had gotten so angry. I had gotten my emotions so wound up. I had allowed my feelings to so overtake me that I had literally lowered my immune system and allowed myself to get sick. And so once I got well and once we got home from vacation, Rich and I sit down at the table and said, we gotta talk about this. We gotta actually talk about what happened on family vacation. We got through it, but we don't wanna just get through it, we wanna grow from it. And we both had to look at each other and say, I'm sorry. Both of us, we, we, don't, we didn't agree. We both still felt strongly about our stances, what we were both going for, but both of us had to realize far more than being right is us loving each other, staying united, speaking life, and more important than anything, forgiving each other. Choosing to forgive. We had to realize that um, the point is not that we agree, the point is that we love one another and choose to forgive. And what happens on family vacation doesn't stay on family vacation. It rolls into your life. 
It rolls into your relationship. And Colossians says this, it says, bear with one another. What is Colossians saying? Hey, between you and me, there's gonna be some stuff you're gonna have to grapple with. But don't throw in the towel. What does Colossians say? It says, bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance, just as Christ forgave you. It doesn't say, bear with one another and make sure that you agree on everything. No, agreement is not the point. Bear with one another and forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness is the key. We bear frustrations. We bear faith. We bear our crosses. We bear with one another. And uh, Rick said something so powerful week two of the collection. If you didn't see it, he had four fences up on stage. And he talked about how when we get offended, we create a fence around ourselves. We isolate ourselves, and we are the only ones that are locked up when we choose to be offended. And at one point in the message, he took the fences, and he threw them down on the ground. And then he made a statement. He said, for Don Shuri and for me, our relationship has been paved forward by walking on the offenses that we have laid down. And that's just the truth of any relationship that wants to go the distance. The question is not, will you be offended? Let's settle that today. Life is full of moments where there's misunderstandings and assumption and pain. The question is, what will you do with that offense? Because if you wanna walk forward in your relationship, you've gotta lay down the offenses and walk towards the future. I love the quote that says, apologies aren't meant to change the past. They are meant to change the future. Let's look forward. Let's understand that when it comes to what's between you and me, that I've gotta to choose to bear with you, forgive you, just as I have been forgiven. So the question is, how do you lay down offenses and move forward? How do you actually lay it down and move forward into healing and health? What does that conversation look like? What does the relationship look like between two people that really care about fighting for genuine intimacy? You know, when I got married, Rich's grandpa, who's in heaven today, he pastored in Washington, he told us, he said, when it comes to your relationship, it's never about who is right, it's always about who will go first. Who will be the leader when there's disagreements? Who will be the leader that wants to make peace? Who will go first? Because that's how relationships really last. The distance between you and me is how far I'm willing to walk. Hear me, I'm not talking about, there are some relationships that come to an abrupt end and, and they're supposed to. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm, t I'm just talking about sometimes there are seasons where things happen and you have to set a boundary. But right now, make it very clear, I'm talking about the relationships in your life that God has called you to steward, that God has called you to walk alongside, that God has called you to be responsible for. Friends, we have to understand the distance between you and me is how far I'm willing to walk. Will I go first? 
There's a story of a, a husband and a wife being in their truck. You know, I love these stories. I'm from Louisiana. And uh, the husband and wife are in their truck and the husband's driving and the wife looks over and she goes, oh honey, what happened to us? We used to drive all snuggled up. We used to ride down the interstate just snuggled and lovey-dovey, look at all this space between us now. He looked at her and said, well, I haven't moved. We create distance. We choose because of feelings or misunderstandings or just becoming familiar. We place distance between you and me. You decide how close you will be to the people in your life that you love. So how do I eliminate the space between you and me according to God's word? Well, first of all, we have to acknowledge the gap. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 says, so what if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that someone has something against you? Leave your gift there and go make peace with that person. Then come and offer your gift. Now this is a physical change. This is a schedule altering decision. This is I showed up to worship, I showed up to the altar, and all of a sudden, what does it say? You remember that there's a rift between you and someone else. And it's not, it doesn't even say that you're the one who has the bitterness. It says that they're the one that has the bitterness. But this word remember is very important because how often is this the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives? That he brings people to our mind that we need to reach out to, that we need to love on, that we need to make peace. And this person, they, they lay down their altar gift and they run and they make peace. But the reason why they made peace is because they first acknowledged that there was space between them. I think for all of us today, we have to acknowledge that there are relationships in our lives where there is space, where there's an opportunity for us to draw closer. You don't just acknowledge and then keep going on. Dysfunctional relationships, some of you, you fight in your marriage, you fight with your family, and it's like you fight and you have this combustive argument and then it all blows over you go to sleep and the next day you go on like it never happened and that is just the cycle in your relationships you never talk about it you never discuss it and sit down and go what can we do better friends that is dysfunction you are not moving past the disagreement you are stuffing the disagreement down and I promise you it may take decades but that stuff is going to come back up because it's never been dealt with you have to talk about disagreements you have to work through things when we don't talk about disagreements talk about offense it dishonors the person who's hurt on the flip side there's some of you in this room that every single moment you are getting offended. And honestly, it's petty offense. It's stuff that doesn't need to be hashed out with other people. It's the lens of your life. It's what you see 
because of your perspective and because of a bitter root that has taken place in your heart. There's this phenomenon, it's called the frequency illusion. I don't know if this has happened to you, but like, for instance, you, you like this particular car and you've never seen it before. And as soon as you notice it and you start to research it, you start to see it everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Like right now there are these bird feeders in South Florida and South Miami. They're on everybody's houses. And I noticed them the other day. And then even on the way to church today, I'm noticing them house after house after house. And I'd never noticed them before. And I know everybody didn't hang them up in the last seven days. But it's this frequency illusion where it's like when, when you learn something new, you suddenly notice it everywhere. And for some of you, because there's a bitter root in your heart, you see offense everywhere you look. That I've seen it with the house of God, that the house where you got saved in, where your marriage was saved in, all of a sudden one little thing happens and you're ready to run out the door and curse every person here. Why? Because there's a bitter root. There is a lens of offense. And now you see offense everywhere. Why? because it's what you're looking for. So I guess the question today is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Because Philippians 4.8 tells me, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. So if I'm looking for a good report, I'm gonna see good reports all around me. If I'm looking for the lovely, I'm gonna see lovely things all around me. If I'm looking for the truth, I'm gonna see the truth all around me. What am I looking for? Perhaps the lens of your life has been tainted by offense. It's time to take that lens off, have your heart cleansed, and start to live with an open heart of forgiveness and grace just as we need ourselves from our Father God. The other translation of the text, bear with each other, it means this, it says, the text says, make allowances. Make allowances for offense. You know when you make your budget? You don't make it to the dollar, do you? You always make a little room for allowances because something could happen. Something could fall through. And if you don't make a line item for allowances, you could get in a really tight spot because you have not factored in any margin in your life. So the scripture's telling us, factor in some allowances in your relationship. Because that person you love is gonna offend you from time to time. So just make a decision as you cast a vision for your relationship that there are gonna be disagreements, that there are gonna be arguments, that there are gonna be moments that your feelings get hurt. But choose to create the margin for forgiveness. I'm not bowing out, I'm bearing with you. I, I, I am choosing to count the cost before I build this house. I am not easily offended. My mom taught me this song when I was little. She wrote it and it says, Great peace have they that love thy law. Great peace have they that love thy law. And then it goes, and nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. And nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. 
And nothing, nothing, nothing shall offend them. Psalms 119, verse 165. That's straight scripture, verbatim. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know there are Christians today that think it is their duty as a Christ follower for everything to offend them. Yet scripture says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Why? Because when you love God's law, you know that God's law is that you should love others with all of your heart. You know that God's law is that you should forgive as Christ has forgiven you. You know that God's law is that you should give the shirt off of your back and walk the second mile and be a servant of all. Let me tell you, when you know God's law and when you love it, it makes life easier because the stuff that would entangle you suddenly has no hold on your heart. I got peace. I'm not offended. I'm free. I've been bought with a price. I've been extended grace beyond what I could ever deserve. I love God's law. Nothing is going to offend me. Don't just acknowledge the gap. Don't just remember. But secondly, we must accept responsibility doesn't say if you have unforgiveness. No, the text said if they have unforgiveness, leave, go make it right, come back and carry on. What scripture's telling us is you accept the responsibility. It's not your hurt. It doesn't even say that you're wrong. It doesn't tell you to go apologize, it tells you to go make peace. There is a correct way to apologize and make peace. That old quote says, never ruin an apology with an excuse. Let me tell you, when it comes to apologies, I can speak from personal experience <laughs> that when emotions are high, apologies are dangerous because they can spin out and turn into an even larger disagreement. But done correctly, they can bring peace and healing and reconciliation that makes you stronger, not weaker. What do you do when you don't agree and you can't find a resolution? It's like you're banging your head up against the wall and neither one will concede and you don't know how to find a common ground. My mom did a radio show every day for over a decade when we were all kids. And what that meant is at noon, every single day, whatever was going on, she would drop everything, dial into the radio station and host it. And um, she told me the story my entire life. It's hilarious. But one day, she was driving home from something and um, realized that it was noon. She couldn't believe it. She pulled over at a, a gas station to a payphone. And I have five brothers and a sister, and it was just me and my little brother, Denny Rodney, in the car. And so she left the car running. The car was directly in front of the payphone. Here's the payphone, here's the car. She could see us in the car, left the car running. Well, while she's hosting, talking about Jesus, talking about scripture, she sees my little brother crawl up in the front seat and shift the gear into reverse. <laughs> this only happens when you have six kids. Um, 
And she obviously drops the payphone. She jumps in the car, and everyone is alive today to tell the story. Praise God. But this weekend, we were home in Louisiana, and my son, Wild, who is wild, was in the front of the van. And my mom was teaching him. She's like, whatever you do, don't ever touch this lever. This lever is powerful. Let me tell you what's powerful in relationships is when you are in a disagreement and you make a love shift. Say, what does that mean? It means that in the middle of a heated disagreement with someone that you wanna bear with, that you wanna go the distance with, that you have committed to walk alongside, in the middle of the disagreement, you can make a powerful shift of gears and you can shift your attention and your conversation from the disagreement to how much you love them. You can be in the middle of, well, you're wrong and you hurt me and you can stop and look in their eyes and say, we may still not see eye to eye, but I wanna tell you this, I'm committed to you for life. I love you, I respect you, I honor you, I know we're gonna get through this because there's nobody that means more to me than you. So let's just get that straight before we move forward. And that love shift, oh, when you were in a gear where your wheels were spinning in the mud and you were stuck in the mire, it can move you forward. Because love is powerful. Proverbs 17, 9 talks to us about what happens after we lay down an offense. Once we forgive, once we hash it out, Proverbs 17, nine says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. In my life, I don't always get it right, I want to be a trusted confidant. Someone who is trusted with private matters. You and I, we're called to be confidants. We're not called to hash things out. I brought this joke with summer vacation, but friends, there's tons more disagreements between me and my husband because we have a real thriving, wonderful relationship that you don't need to worry about. Why? Because it's between the two of us. Love covers over offenses. But what, what happens when you are not a confidant? What happens when you're not a trusted person? Well, you, when you're not a confidant, you contaminate. You can separate close friendships by spreading things that you should never be talking about. If it's settled, it's settled. If it's been discussed, it's been discussed. If you wanna move forward, then you gotta actually move forward. If it's confidential, then you keeping it creates confidence. So God is challenging all of us through the word of God today. Hey, you may not have this down, but I wanna give you the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. I wanna steward your tongue. I wanna steward your conversations. I wanna change you by the power of my spirit. You can be a trusted confidant or you can contaminate. Rich talked a few weeks about, ago about who you process with matters. For a daughter to process her grievances with her husband, with her mother and father, that's never gonna work. 
because the daughter will move forward. She's in a holy covenant with God and that person. God's grace is on their relationship. They'll move forward, but the parents, they've been contaminated. They were never meant to bear that. That's their girl. Parents, don't contaminate your children with grievances against your spouse or your ex-husband or your ex-wife. Don't contaminate. They're not to carry that. Find the right confidant. Watch as God brings you to healing. God has a beautiful process of healing and peace for every single one of us. And today, as we talk about our horizontal relationships, I guess the real question for me to ask you today is, uh, what's between you and Jesus? Is there real intimacy? A great question for your personal relationship with Jesus today is, Jesus, what's between you and me? Because perhaps today you say, Don Shree, I wanna do something great for God. I wanna preach the gospel, but do you pray? I wanna lead worship, but do you sing songs to him when it's just the two of you? Do you have an intimate relationship with him? Some things just stay between you and me, Jesus. This is just for you. This is my intimacy at the altar. I'm gonna ponder this in my heart. There's some things between you and Jesus that you don't publish. There's some things between you and Jesus that you don't print. There are some things that are just too intimate to share between you and Jesus, no matter how good it is, until he gives you the release. That's real intimacy. I was flying late this weekend with my, with my kids. And last night I was on a plane and uh, I was taking my sons to the bathroom for the fourth time on the same flight. And I'm sitting outside the little, the little door, you know, the accordion door that my son had gone in and I'm, I'm waiting in the hallway for him on the plane. And this song just kind of rose up in my heart last night that I used to sing with my grandmother. It just says, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. Cause you've got what it takes and you're gonna win. And I know that you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it just as long as you and Jesus stay friends. You can make it through anything. You can make it through anything. We complicate it. What is this Christian life about? It's about talking to Jesus and reading his word. What's between you and me, God? Because I wanna be friends with my creator. You have called me friend, can I do the same? What's between you and me? Because I know I'm gonna make it just as long as me and Jesus stay friends. I'll get through the valley, I'll give him glory on the mountaintop. He'll show up for me in the midnight hour. He'll break my chains, he'll heal my body. He'll give me discernment and wisdom and understanding just as long as me and Jesus stay friends. Every step of the way, that's my friend. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. You're gonna make it.
What's between you and Jesus? Because while beauty is shared, intimacy is not all beauty. My intimacy with God is not just, I love you, Lord, I worship you. My intimacy with Jesus is, I'm sorry. Forgive me, change me. God knows I can't change myself. I surrender, I repent. Cleanse my heart, oh God. My intimacy is not just all beauty. My intimacy is reality of where I am and the gap between me and God, that He came to me and there is no separation. So what's between you and Jesus? Proverbs 14, nine says, fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. So fools make fun of guilt. Oh, you're, you're overthinking this, that's not a big deal. You're making a lot, no, no I feel convicted. So, so the fool, he makes fun of guilt, but the godly, what, they acknowledge it. They acknowledge the gap. I see it. I see the gap. And once they acknowledge it, they seek reconciliation. Our flesh always pushes back on anything that humbles us. I hate you, but it's killing me. You know, some people that once really loved God, they hate God today. But any anger and hate towards God is just misplaced anger. Because God has done nothing but love you, rescue you, give you everything. And the hatred and the anger you may feel right now towards God is simply misplaced. But God didn't just save you, He wants to heal you. He wants to uproot that bitterness, that anger, that frustration. What do I do, Don Shuri, with this anger? He says, cast all your cares upon him. Because why? Because he cares. Isn't that just the best news in the world? He cares. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody about your pain and it just didn't seem like they cared? The God of the universe who created every atom, every blood cell in your body, every planet, every universe, this God, he cares for you. He wants to know you intimately. He makes it so clear in scripture that he counts the hairs on your head. He doesn't throw away one tear. He captures every tear and holds it in a bottle that he sings over while you sleep, that in your mother's womb you were consecrated, set apart, formed beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully. This God cares for you. He cares for you. So cast all your cares. You know what I've realized about my cares? is that my cares aren't just my five-year business plan. My cares aren't just the deals on the table. My cares aren't just my children. My cares aren't just the dreams and the, the things in my heart that I wanna do in the future. My cares are my guilt. My cares are my shame. My cares are the things that I fell short in. Can you cast them upon the one who cares for you? So maybe today you'd say, yeah, I hurt a lot of people in college. Yeah, I was an absent parent. I reacted in anger. I neglected your voice. I've lived a double life. I have, I have walked and gossiped about my friends and I've stabbed them in the back. I've secretly competed. I have selfish ambition. Because the Word of God tells us where selfish ambition and envy are, there's an abundance of sinfulness and destruction. 
Can you cast that on God? Can you surrender that to Him today? The guilt that you carry, the shame that you carry, the gap between you and those in your relationship is creating a gap between you and God because He never meant for you to carry all of that weight. You just cast it upon Him again and again and again. I have a friend who, um, she serves on team at VU. She's a dear friend of mine. And during VUCON, she was so excited about going to VUCON. She was like fired up. She couldn't wait. She was on team. She had been planning. She had taken the days off of work. She was gonna get there early. And the week of VUCON, she gets COVID. And she is stuck in her bed and she is miserable. And over the last few months, God had been working in her heart. She had a very dysfunctional relationship with her father to the point where they were estranged. She had to put boundaries in because of some very toxic cycles in their relationship. And she was in so much pain from it. And we'd been talking about soul care and week after week, God would just bring a little more healing to her life, a little more healing as she just kept coming back. And as she laid in her bed going, God, I was so expecting that you were gonna do something in my spirit this weekend. Why am I stuck here in my bed while everybody else is having an experience in your, in your presence? She felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Call your dad and forgive him. And Vukon weekend, she called her dad while she was sick in bed. She said, Dad, I know we haven't spoken for several months. You know that it's because of this and this and this, these toxic behaviors that are wounding me so deeply. But I want you to know that Jesus has given me the freedom to fully forgive you. And I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. There is no bitter root in my heart. And he wept on the phone and he asked for her forgiveness. He said he was sorry and even though she knew that he was not making any change in, her li in his life, she was able to say, I'm continuing to hold my boundary but I will not hold the bitterness. I will not hold anything against you. I'm still believing that you're gonna change, that you're gonna find health and freedom and be set free. And see, the Holy Spirit will never deny your hunger. You may be sick in your bed wishing you were in the room, but He'll meet you right there on your sick bed and bring the breakthrough that you expected. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, you will answer. The door stand to your feet because I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond I want to cast my cares on God they say it takes 10,000 hours to master anything you may be trying to master negotiation you may be trying to master piano or or singing I don't know what your 10,000 hours are you know what I want my 10,000 hours to be I want to become a master at casting my cares on God every bit of anxiety, every bit of fear, every bit of bitterness. I wanna release it so quick that I get my reps in and it comes without any thought. Oh, I'm going straight to the throne room. I'm going straight to the King. I cast all my cares upon you. So what do you do when you feel like you've taken a route that is leading you away from the people that you love instead of towards them? 
this month we went on staff retreat. And up in Central Florida, we drove a couple hours. As you drive a couple hours, there is a crossroads. It is called Yeehaw Junction. Some of y'all know about Yeehaw Junction. And Yeehaw Junction is unique. You better pay attention. You better know what it is because it is the last exit before a 47 mile stretch without one exit. And if you miss that exit, you're done. I hope your gas tank is full. I hope your kids don't have to use the restroom because there is no exit and there is no stopping. And some of us in our hearts, when there's disagreement, when there's offense, we start to move away from the person we love in our hearts, first of all, and then in our language. And we start to go the opposite way of them on the highway. And we're just waiting for somebody to give us an exit. Oh, if only they would come and make amends, then I'll exit this path. If only someone would step in and make sure that, you know, they can mediate. If only this would happen, if only that would happen. We're waiting for someone else to make a road so that we can come back to them. But you know, when you miss the exit and you're headed forward and you can't get off that road because there isn't an exit, there's one other alternative and it's called a U-turn. And I hope you never look at a U-turn sign the same because you don't have to wait for anybody else to create an exit for you to turn around. You turn, you turn and make peace. You turn and make reconciliation. You turn and start the conversation. You turn and turn your heart towards them. You turn. It's on you, why? Because you're a follower of Jesus. We go first. I'll acknowledge the gap. I won't wait for somebody else to create an exit route for me. I'm gonna turn right now. You turn your heart towards your children. You turn your heart towards your parents. You turn your heart towards your friends and your coworkers. You turn. And as you turn, you watch as God does the miraculous. At every location, I'm reminded as we stand that salvation comes by simply believing by repenting. What is repentance? Turning from the direction we were going and walking the opposite way. Today, you can surrender your life to Jesus by simply making a U-turn. You can't buy salvation. You can't forgive yourselves of your sins. But guess what? Jesus said it is finished. That price has already been paid. Will you turn? All over this room and at every location, will you bow your heads with me? You're shut away with God so you can focus on the conversation in your heart between you and your Creator. Do you know Jesus? What's between you and Jesus? What your family's told you about God? This is not just a community of friends. This is a community of people that have placed Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. Everything about this community centers around what we found in Jesus. We're helpless without Him. This place would be empty and broken without all of our focus, all of our love, being devoted to Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? This is your moment. You turn. If that's you and you'd say, Don Shree, today I choose Jesus. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, this is between you and Jesus, not between you and your neighbor. It's a holy moment. Invitation from heaven. Wow. Two, don't put off a decision for tomorrow that you can make today. This is your moment. Don't wait for another exit. Three, 
I choose Jesus. Just raise your hand all over this room and at every location. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I see your hands. More importantly, God sees your heart. We're all gonna lift our hands with you today and we're gonna pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, today I choose to throw my life into your hands. I'm celebrating your rescue. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I wanna walk with you. I wanna talk with you. I love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, we're gonna keep worshiping right now. Amen. You made the best decision. We're gonna give you some guidance in a moment, but as we stand here, I know that there's a second group of people that you've turned toward Jesus, but the Holy Spirit's brought some people in your heart that you need to turn towards today. There's a U-turn for you. I wanna pray for you. Uh, if that's you, would you just lift up both of your hands? I wanna pray for you today. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be honest in your house. We came here to be transformed. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that where there is space, where there is a divide, where there is misunderstanding, anger, bitterness, Lord, that your grace would fill the gap. God, as we obey, as we seek not just to keep peace, but to make peace, Lord, give us strength to follow you wholeheartedly. God, I pray that there would be a peace that goes beyond understanding right now as people start to survey the soil of their relationships, that there would be an assurance that what you start today, you will finish. God, I pray for a grace, and God, I pray for joy on the journey. You've already won. So God, we're your kids. We reflect you. We have your strength inside of us. You've given us the power and the anointing of reconciliation. Reconcile what no man can. Do it, Lord, as we acknowledge the gap. And Lord, as we accept the responsibility, we lift our hands, we say, use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. And we thank you for the opportunity to show your love and to receive healing. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present. And I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.